At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We're glad you're here as we turn to the book of Genesis for our newest series, Family, Why Bother? In the pages of Genesis, we'll discover all kinds of hurting relationships that prove families have been dysfunctional from the very beginning. Join us as we uncover the only one who can renew and restore our broken families. See, one of my favorite Disney movies of all time, yes, I know uh, I'm old, but I still love Disney, uh, it's The Lion King. I know there are other beautiful Disney um, movies as well, Pocahontas and Mulan, but The Lion King holds a special place in my heart, and I say that truly with some sense of bias to it. And uh, probably that was because um, when Megan and I were still dating, uh, our first movie date was to go see Lion King. So I could say that with a sense of bias to that, um, yeah. But besides all that, I just love the storyline. It is um, captivating, it is inspiring, and um, it is motivating. But um, there's just this interesting part in the movie that just keeps um, catching my attention whenever I see the movie. It's this part where um, Mufasa and, uh, was having this conversation with his son, Simba, and telling him how, you know, one day he's going to be the, he's, he's the future of Pride Rock, and one day he's going to rule. So he's free to go to anywhere he wants to go to in the kingdom, but there's a place that he mustn't go to, and that is the elephant graveyard. And Simba, with all his um, curiosity, asked his father, why? And he responded, and his response was, it is beyond our border. And the next scene, we see um, young Simba having this conversation with his evil uncle's car. And in, in the conversation, he reframed the elephant graveyard story in a way that enticed Simba to disobey his dad and go and do what his dad told him not to go. Go and where his dad told him not to go to. And knowing that he has piqued um, Simba's curiosity and that Simba would eventually go to the elephant graveyard, he connived with the hyenas to kill Simba. And as predicted, Simba went to the forbidden graveyard, but he didn't just go alone. He went with his friend Nala. They got into trouble that almost caused their life. And remember Zazu running to the king, your highness, your highness. You know, and um, he was like, what's going on? Simba, Simba is in trouble. Mufasa ran to the scene, rescued Simba. Not just rescued Simba, but also preserved the future of Pride Rock. You see, Simba, knowing the instructions that his father gave him, chose not to trust those instructions. Even though he knew how much his father loves him and how much he cared for him, he still went against his will. But here was what happened. He got into trouble that almost cost him his life and also the future of Pride Rock. Like Simba, I don't know what decisions you're thinking of right now that you know is at odds with God's word, but you see going with it, even not thinking about what danger it could be to you, not just to you, your loved ones, but not just your loved ones, but God's purpose for your life. What could you be jeopardizing because you're choosing not to trust God, but lean on your own opinions or even the, 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 the philosophies and the ideologies of the decaying culture around you? What plans of God for your life could you be endangering because you are opting not to respond to circumstances um, out of faith, but you're opting to respond in accordance to the philosophies and the ideologies of the decaying culture around you? 
As we continue in our family series today, um, we shall be learning something profound uh, from the life of a man that everyone that holds a monotheistic viewpoint of deity, I mean, um, Christianity, um, Judaism, and Islam, um, identifies with this, one man, with this one man with respect to faith and patriarchy. We shall be learning from his early faith walk with God how he made a decision um, that put his family in a precarious situation, but not just his family, but God's purpose for his life uh, in jeopardy because uh, he decided amid a really tough situation not to trust God's word, not to anchor on God's promises for his life. And we shall be seeing, um, therefore, we shall be seeing how our households face serious troubles when we fail to trust God's promises. We shall be learning from his life how when we make those decisions and those choices that are not birthed out of trust in God's word, that are not a product of faith in God, doesn't just affect us individually, but it affects those of those folks that God has put in our lives, our loved ones, and God's ultimate purpose for our lives. So if you have your Bible today, and I believe you came to church with one, um, or there's a, we'll find the scriptures on the, on the screen up there, kindly turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 12, which I'll be reading from 10 to 20. Now, there was a famine in the land, so Abraham, Abraham, he was still Abraham here, right here. God hasn't um, given him the name Abraham. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Hmm. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful, and when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Hmm. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram, and he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues, because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you've done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders consigning him and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. In order for us to have a full understanding of how we got to our text today, it would be fair for us to put things in context. There's been a lot of information before now, so we need to know how we got to where we are now. So while God was on his um, quest, on his expedition um, for the salvation of man, um, to bring salvation for the redemption of man, he found a man by the name of Abraham in the Sumerian um, city-state of ancient Mesopotamia called Hur, or his present-day Iraq. Then Hur is known um, for, uh, is, is a city that is steeped in, in, in idolatry and other um, um, practices that are just um, symptomatic of the, uh, um, of the um, depravity of humanity. But 
it won't be out of place for one to take a pause at this, uh, 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 at this stage and ask the question, why would a holy God, a holy, holy God, um, plunge himself in the midst of this um, world, in the midst of this system, in the midst of this culture that is um, wallowing and ingratiating in the depravity of its, uh, 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 of its filthiness? Why would God in his holiness choose to walk with man in his filthiness? This may not be the question that our text for today sets out to answer, but it helps us to understand something profound as um, with the person of God uh, as we dig in further into our text today, which is this, that God is good to us not because we're good. God is good to you not because you come to church. God is good to you not because you attend small groups. God is good to you not because you pay your tithe, which all those things are good in themselves, but God is good to you simply because of this fact, he is good. His faithfulness isn't contingent upon your conduct. It's just an expression, a, a, a reflection of the quintessential um, character of his being, which is love. God is love. So in his grace and, and in, his, in his goodness and in his sovereignty, um, I believe um, um, I'm using my um, poetic, um, permit me to use my poetic um, license to infer here that I believe that when God showed up to Abraham, he didn't just show up to Abraham and told him what to do. I believe that um, God must have revealed himself to Abraham to a point where Abraham would respond to faith to do what God has called him to do. That is just what I believe um, looking, at, um, looking into the text. So with this um, level of faith uh, permitted to him through God revealing himself to Abraham, Abraham uh, 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 was going to leave everything that he was familiar with because God was calling him out of something into something else. God was calling Abraham out of his country. God was calling Abraham out of his relative. God was calling Abraham out of his father's house. But God wasn't just calling him out of something into nothing. But God also revealed to Abraham and what he was calling him into. He told Abraham, see, Abraham, uh, if you trust me, if you obey me, I'm going to show you a land. I'm going to give you a land. And in this land, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to give you a great name. I'm going to bless you. And you're going to be a blessing to others. And not just that, but I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. And But through you, through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And Abraham, hearing the greatest news of his life, I believe, stepped out in faith. He stepped out in faith, him and his family, and launched into what God is calling him into, and this would later change the course of his life, and not just that, it would become a pivotal moment in salvation history. Fast forward, um, Abraham got to the land of Canaan, and he surveyed the land and saw that it was exactly how God has told him to be, um, God, has, um, God told him it was like, and you know, Abraham was just in the land, but he couldn't, then he couldn't occupy the land. Why? Because the Canaanites were still dwelling in the land. So Abraham sojourned in Canaan as a foreigner, and as a foreigner, God prospered him. God made him great. God did a lot of good things for Abraham, and Abraham's relationship with the Lord was flourishing, and his faith was growing. But there is a dimension to walking with the Lord that Abraham would have to discover. 
and which is this to me. I believe that, uh, um, yeah, God, God calls us the way we are. God, um, you know, meets us where we are. But I believe that just because God calls us the way we are and meets us the way we are doesn't necessarily mean that God wants to use us just the way we are. Uh-uh. And we'll see Paul also affirming this truth when he told Timothy in 1 Timothy 3 that, Timothy, say, listen, when you have a new convert in your midst, don't be quick to put them in a leadership position. There has to be a growth process. There has to be a trying process as well. And also he told Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.19 that, don't be too quick to lay your hands on people to lead them, to send them into ministry. Because there's a whole lot at stake. So at this point in Abraham's life, you see that he was having that mountaintop experience. You know, he was basking in this newfound relationship with the Lord. Everything was going good for him. Don't forget, Abraham was functioning at the center of God's will for his life. Everything was going well for Abraham. Then like we learned in our narrative, a famine broke out in the land. There was a recession in the land. Abraham was at the center of God's will for his life. And now it feels like God has gone quiet on Abraham. It feels like God has abandoned him. What would Abraham do? What will he do? But here is, here is, here is something we need to understand. And I believe it's a profound truth. That just because we are functioning or just because we are operating at the center of God's will for our life doesn't mean we'll be secluded from difficult situations. Doesn't mean we'll be uh, um, exempted from going through difficult times. Abraham was at the center of God's will for his life. But in the midst of it all, the Bible says a severe famine broke out in the land. There was a recession. Inflation has gone up to 15%. Jobs are closing everywhere. People can't uh, pay up their mortgage anymore. People can't take care of their family. And Abraham has found himself in this situation. And I believe a whole lot of us here can identify. Even the Bible says a man that cannot provide for his wife, for his family, is worse than an infidel. What would Abraham do? What will you do? It's easy for us, you know, to sing God's praises when we're having that mountaintop experience in life. But what becomes of our character when we find ourselves at this valley period of life? You know, it's easy for us to, you know, to, to, to be happy and, you know, think all is just bread and butter. Everything is a bed of roses. But what happens? But those times, it is... It is not, it, it, it becomes, you know, we, we become a little blindsided to the development of our faith. And one thing I've come to understand with studying scriptures and my faith walk with God is that if your faith can't be tested, then it can't be trusted. A faith that is not tested cannot be trusted. 
So I believe that God allowed um, this challenge. Um, I believe that this was a test for Abraham, and I believe that God allowed this um, 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 challenge to come um, to Abraham because there are things he wants to reveal to Abraham that um, Abraham needs to know, and that uh, which will be key if Abraham would enter all and be all that God wants him to be, and which is this, that God wants to reveal to Abraham where his loyalty lies. That is key to God. Also, God wants to reveal to Abraham those um, options he still has somewhere in the chamber of his heart that are other than him. Because when God comes to you, it's all or nothing. And also, God wanted to reveal to Abraham uh, um, the, the genuineness, like if his belief in him is actually genuine. Um, There's an author I read his book, um, Reclaiming, Surrendered, um, Reclaiming Surrendered Ground. It says something what you've noticed. He said, we will not always live what we profess, but we will always live what we believe. We will not always live what we profess. But when we face those times in our life where the rubber meets the road, we would always live what we believe. So as we see uh, in our text that Abraham went down to Egypt, he went down to Egypt and there was never a point in time and we saw Abraham calling on the name of the Lord. So I believe all this while all this thing was going on with Abraham, I believe Abraham was busy listening to Feng Sinantra because at the end of the day, he did things his way. Because there's always a way that seems right and feels right in the eyes of a man. But the Bible says thereof, at the end of it all, is destruction. And so it was with Abraham down in Egypt. We saw that as much as Abraham was growing, or Abraham was growing in his relationship with God, uh, Abraham was now, you know, probably... uh, um, a small group leader. Abraham probably was a deacon and all that. But all, through all this, as God was beginning to reveal through Abraham to Abraham in this text, that probably Abraham was walking with God, but he wasn't totally surrendered to God. He was walking with God, but not totally surrendered to God. And um, we saw that in the text, uh, um, how Abraham uh, um, began to concoct uh, when uh, he was telling his wife, uh, um, honey, I know when we get to Egypt, uh, these people are really evil. They're going to kill you. They're going to kill me and, and let you go. So um, there's this, this plan I'm coming up with. Uh, um, I'm going to tell them you're my sister. And please, you just have to walk with me in this. Uh, tell them you're my sister so that it may be well with me. Never at a point in time, Abraham stopped to think about what he was thinking. He didn't care what would be of his wife. He was just thinking about himself. He was just thinking about himself. All Abraham was doing was thinking about himself. Abraham Abraham would employ um, the act of deception. And this brings us to the first point, that we dishonor those we love when we employ the act of deception to get us out of a difficult situation. I'm not taking out the place that you may be going through hard times, but your response is key. And that is why I believe that more than what God wants to give to us, more than what God wants to make us to be, our character development is of importance to God as much as those things he wants to give to us and do with our lives, the character of the persons he wants us to become 
is important to him. When we choose to become a manipulative in order to gain the advantage because we're in a difficult place in life, we end up doing more harm than good, not just to ourselves, but also to our loved ones. One of the reasons I believe as well that this was a test for Abraham was the fact that when we see how Abraham was behaving as much as God is as much as God has given him all of these promises, uh, there's something about Abraham's character that God needed to deal with. It's just like when you find a, a diamond in its raw state, there's nothing, there's nothing admirable about a diamond. But onto the dross and it is taking off it. And I know it goes through a lot of a, 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 a really tough process to get those drawers out of it. That at the end of the day, we appreciate a diamond. So God has found Abraham, but there are still some drawers in his life that God needs, uh, needed to deal with. We see Abraham on getting to Egypt started acting in self-interest for personal gain. On getting to Egypt, the circumstances was just as Abraham predicted. It was just the perfect condition to implement his deceptive idea. And here's something I want us to understand. You see, sin knows how to take our fears and create the perfect atmosphere for the character of our, fear, for, of our fears to thrive. And this is what is going on here. Abraham wasn't responding in faith, but he was responding in fear. Sarah has been taken to become one of Pharaoh's harem. Abraham's selfish and deceptive idea has been greatly rewarded. All at the expense of God's purpose for his life. What are you doing at this moment of your life? At the expense of your marriage that is born out of selfishness. What are you exchanging at this moment of your life? That is at the expense of losing your family. What are you doing what are those decisions you are thinking of right now at this moment of your life that is nothing but vanity at the expense of losing your soul? Of what joy will it be to you when you enjoy all the fleeting pleasures of this world and lose everything that God has in store for you? I want you all to listen to me. God wants you blessed. God wants you prosperous. I believe this because the Bible says in, first, um, in, um, in Ephesians 1.3 that um, blessed be the God of our, Father, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And 1 Peter 3.9 says that God has called us to this uh, um, to inherit a blessing so that we can be a blessing. So I just, wanna, I just want it to sink in you that God wants you blessed and prosperous. But here is the thing. God doesn't want you to be a blessed person without character. He wants you to be a blessed person with character. And that is why we see Abraham right here. Abraham wasn't reflecting any of this. In the 1987 movie, um, Wall Street, not The Wolf of Wall Street, uh, The Wolf of Wall Street, that's um, Leonardo DiCaprio, but Wall, um, Wall Street, this was by Michael Douglas, and it was, sometime, it was acted um, sometime in 1987. So he played um, this um, narcissistic and 
and nefarious character who goes by the name of Gordon Gekko. He's a fictional character and he's a really popular um, character in, uh, in the corporate world, you know. And his, his character is just um, emblematic of a, of a materialistic society that is um, driven by personal gains at the expense of building meaningful relationships. His character reveals the extent to which um, when greed takes a hold of a man, what he could make of a man, permit me to use this true, these two hard words, when greed takes a hold of a man, he can make that man both a psychopath and a sociopath. That was what he did. That was, that, that was the character that this, um, um, the fictional character played by um, Michael Douglas, um, known as um, Gordon Gekko, in this movie called Wall Street. He said something in the movie that, you know, a whole lot of um, Fortune 500 companies hold as their motivating philosophy. Listen to what he said. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Hmm. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its forms, greed for life, greed for money, for love, greed for knowledge, has marked the upward surge of mankind. Brothers and sisters, let us not live this way. Again, God wants you blessed and prosperous but not like Gordon Gekko. In fact, hear what God said um, in the book of Proverbs that stands in antithesis to, what, to this ideology portrayed here by Gordon Gekko. In Proverbs 15, 27, hear what God said. He said, the one who puts earning money, I believe money, money here is more of a, 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 could mean materialism, you know, wanting, wanting uh, uh, um, material prosperity at the expense of everything. So I believe that is what money represents here. So it says the one who puts earning money above his family will have trouble at home. But those who refuse to exploit others will live in peace. You see, when we are self-absorbed like Abraham, we, never consider, we are never considerate of others. I know it's been said that um, desperate times require desperate measures. I know Abraham was in the midst of a difficult challenge. But let your desperation, in the moment of desperation, never let your desperation lead you away, to, um, away from God. Let it always lead you to God. In fact, I love how um, um, Charles Spurgeon um, helped us put, because I know in the, in, during those desperate times, there are a lot of thoughts that may be going through our head. But here is what um, um, Charles Spurgeon um, preferred for us in this um, situation. He said something like this, and I'll, I'll, I'll try and paraphrase it. He said, if you can ask God to bless what you're thinking about, then you're not supposed to be doing it. If you can ask God to bless what you're thinking about, that means you weren't supposed to be doing it in the first place. Let your desperation always lead you to God and not away from God. And to our 
third point, we see that instead of, you know, God promised Abraham that he was going to be a blessing and also that um, through him the nations, the families of the earth were blessed. But getting to our third point, we see that instead of Abraham being a blessing, Abraham was actually afflicting harm to the people he loved, to his loved ones, and also to the people that God had brought his way that he may influence for his glory. So we see that from um, verse 17 to 20. It says, um, 17 to 20, but the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his, uh, and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abraham's wife. Take note of that, of those, of that uh, um, prepositional phrase, because of Abraham's wife. It's really important. I'm going to come back to that. So Pharaoh called Abraham and said, what is this you've done to me? Why did you not tell me she was your wife? Now he was reprimanding um, Abraham. Why did you say she's my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then here is your wife, take her and go. Closed opportunity, no credibility anymore. There's no way you could tell, there's nothing that would tell Pharaoh about God that God, um, if we want to listen to. And Pharaoh gave, him order, gave men orders concerning him and they sent him away with his wife. At this point in the narrative, it was obvious that everything has gone south for Abraham. For Abraham, sorry. He has gained everything. He's gotten the promotion, the money, the big house, the luxury cars. He now chills with the big don, the pharaoh. He owns a, a platinum membership at the palace clubhouse. But his marriage, his home, his family, and God's purpose for his life are all in jeopardy because of his deceptive and selfish idea that was born out of lack of trust in God's purpose. You see, when we, and there's something key I want us to also see in this, uh, during Abraham's sojourn in, in, um, in Egypt. If you read through the text, you'll find that there was never a point in time in Egypt Abraham mentioned the Lord, or Abraham remembered the Lord. And this tells me that whenever we commit on that path, whenever we commit on that road that, uh, uh, um, that strays us away from all that God is and stands for, we lose sight of everything that has to do with God. We lose sight of God in every way. And this is what we're seeing in Abraham's sojourn here in Egypt. Because he was, number one, he was stepping, he was walking out of step with God's will. And number two, he wouldn't trust God's promise for his life. That is what becomes of us when we lose sight, when we commit ourselves on that path of destruction. We lose sight of God in every way. And now because we are now compromised, we, we lose every credibility and shut up opportunities to reflect God. There's no way that um, people want to listen to us or whatever we have to say about the gospel. And here's another question for us today. I know there's been a lot of questions. <laughs> Could it be the reason why your child, your children, your spouse, your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends, school? Could it be the reason why they don't want to have anything to do with God or even give an audience to the gospel of Christ? Is because they see nothing in you that reflects the faith you profess. 
Now, listen, I'm not, I understand, I understand that people are responsible for the choices they make. But my question is, what role are you playing in that process? What role are you playing in that process? You see, our lives are meant to be a signpost leading people to the cross of Jesus Christ. That they may receive salvation and enjoy the blessings of salvation. But because we lose credibility and we've closed up opportunities, our lives have become a signpost leading them away further from their salvation and deeper into their misery. I've been there. I'm, I'm, I'm as guilty as well. I've been there. I've made those kind of choices before. I've been there. I've been there. I'm not just here to point fingers at, uh, at you all, but I'm also guilty of this. I've been there. No credibility to, to uh, as a saved child of God, that's what I'm saying. I'm not telling you before I came to faith. This is while I was a saved child of God. I've made those kind of choices that just shut up any opportunity or any door for me to speak the gospel to people. Why? Because they see in themselves, uh, they see in me what they see in themselves. So where's the credibility? I mentioned earlier that the faithfulness of God is not contingent upon our conduct, but a reflection of his uh, quintessential character of being, which is love. I don't think I'll be doing justice to this text if I fail to mention this aspect in the text. There's been someone that has been marginalized there's been someone in this text that has been abused. There's been someone in this text that has been exploited. There's been someone in this text that has been devalued. There's been someone in this text that has been silenced. That was Sarai. Remember I told you to um, take, pay attention of the word of the prepositional phrase that says, because of Sarai, Abraham's wife? Because that was the only time in the text that we heard the name of the Lord. I believe that the reason why God showed up was because of the cry of someone who was in pain and grieving. It's because of the fact that someone has been hurt because of the fact that someone was in pain. And she was not silent. She knew that if every, if society, if the, if, if the one that was supposed to cherish and protect her would abandon her, she knew, I believe, she was going to have an audience with one, the Lord God Almighty. And I want to believe that um, this, this psalm um, would have um, echoed um, the, 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 
the, the, the grief and, 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 the, and the anguish in her soul as she lifts her, her voice to the Lord. It says, um, Psalm um, 10, um, 12 to 15, it says, Arise, Lord, lift, your, lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. Why does the wicked man revile God? Why does he say to himself, he won't call me to account? But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the help of the fatherless. Break the harm of the wicked man. Call the evildoer to account for his wickedness that would not otherwise be found out. We saw that God showed up and we saw what he did to Pharaoh. Not just to Pharaoh, but we saw how through Pharaoh he reprimanded Abraham. Brothers and sisters, I do not know what your pain and your grief is. I do not know how low life has relegated you. I do not know what unkind treatment you may have received from the people you trusted. But this one thing I know, that God is close to the brokenhearted. And he saves those who were crushed in spirit. Sarai was brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. But this one thing I knew about her, she wasn't quiet. She wasn't quiet. She cried out to God. And brothers and sisters, I believe that we, sister, we see, serve the same God today. The Bible says it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he showed up for Sarai, he will show up for you. Abraham failed his first test, and we see how it impacted his, his, um, his life, his marriage, family, God's purpose for his life. We saw how his lack of trust in God made him act in a way that dishonored his wife, acted selfishly and caused so much harm instead of um, being a conduit um, through which God's blessings flowed to the people in his life and that he encounters. But I believe the Lord was not surprised by Abraham's actions. He knew who he was before he called him. The Lord allowed the test so that Abraham could come to the realization of two things. One, it takes faith and patience to walk with the Lord. And two, Abraham's character development is more important to God than anything, than anything God would have him do. I know this narrative has pointed so much to Abraham's flaws, but this is the hope I want to leave you with today. That this isn't so much about the flaws of Abraham which is symptomatic of the, of the depravity of humanity without Christ. This is a text that tells us, that, that displays the faithfulness and the goodness of God. We see how through salvation history, he worked and worked with imperfect men until his plans were fully attained and consummated in the person of Jesus Christ. The second Adam, the perfect man. He is the one who perfects our faith and imparts his righteousness to us so that we may have a good standing before God and enjoy fellowship with him again as his children. Brothers and sisters, I don't know how far you are from God this morning. I don't know how far you stepped away from his will. I don't know how far you're sinking in your misery. But I'll leave you with this word of hope from a whole song. It says, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me up. Now safe, safe I am. 
Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When no one but Christ could help, love lifted me. Thank you. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.